0: everyone. I'm a banana once again, back at it again. It's me, Jordan Lamb. We're in Jordan mode today. I'm joined by Flobo Boyce. Welcome Uh, to the show.
1: Yo, thanks so much for having me. You know, I'm kind of excited to be here with the banana. You know, I'm, I'm a steampunk mayor today, but you know, I'm out here in Los Angeles being on the show, Jordan mode, you know, living life, living large.
0: Yeah, living large, living your best life. You're the first person to ever dress up. This, (laughs) For this, <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I, I can say that theme punk stuff. I had to come correct, man. When a banana is talking to me and saying, Bro, get, get yourself suited and booted, I had to come through,
0: right? Right? I mean, let's get straight into it. Tell us about yourself, so,
1: man. There's a lot of slashes that are coming to me, man. Uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, live in Los Angeles now. I was a comedian first, but now I'm a podcaster, a digital content creator, esports caster. Uh, I actually work with Spotify on one of their shows called Mac Mania, an author as well. Graduation Day available on Amazon. I, I do a lot. I do a lot.
0: Damn. Okay. Nice plug. Nice plug. I respect <laughs> it. Um, Man, like, first you were a comedian. Like, how'd that start off?
1: Oh, you know what? It's, I'm not sure if you want to start off with a serious question, but uh, I had a near-death experience, bro. Like, I, I wanted to be a comedian since I was a kid. And it was always one of those things where I was like, I'll do it one of these days. I'll do it one of these days. And uh, I had a, had a elective surgery, basically, for those who don't read my book, which you should, available now on Amazon. Uh, I used to be really, really heavy. I used to be like 400 pounds and I lost a bunch of weight and I got a, uh, some skin removed and I had complications after that cosmetic surgery where I almost like bled out on my couch at home. And I said, man, if I survive this, if I don't die, uh, I'm going to learn to ride a motorcycle and do comedy. And so... I got my license, so it looks like a license first, but then I got started taking classes in Los Angeles and I got on stage uh, August 4th, 2014. I've been doing it ever
0: since. Damn. Yeah, you didn't expect a serious question like right off the gate, did you? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. nope. Welcome to Jordan mode. I like to have fun here. Um. <laughs> damn, no, that's dope, man. That's like you really turned uh, a bad thing that happened to you into something that fueled you into what you love today.
1: Yeah, right. you know, I I think of it as people have their, their midlife crisis in their 40s, it was like, yo, you need a reminder of being like you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So, if you got something that you wanted to do and it's been there for longer than like 4 months, you got to make an attempt on it, no matter how dumb it is. Starting your own business or like travel the world, like there's a reason why you're thinking about it for like such a long time, you know.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like All right, so since you're you're a comedian. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> you think you're funny? You think you're funny? So, make me laugh.
1: Oh, oh I don't know what the hell you like. <laughs> <laughs> make me laugh. I mean, I could try. I, I hate <laughs> and
0: that and question. Really hard. Yeah,
1: I know. Tell me a joke right now. Um, it's the worst because if I make you laugh, you're not gonna come to my show, and if I don't make you laugh, you're like, "This guy's whack, trash." <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, but, yeah, that's the truth. I, like, I find it so hard to make people laugh when they put me on the spot. Like, you know, I think it's, like, yeah. I'm more of a naturally funny type of guy. I can't, I couldn't be a comedian, I don't think. I can't prepare jokes. I, like, I just, I just couldn't do that, you know?
1: Well, I mean, if you could be a crowd work comedian, if you came out there with a banana suit and be like, yo, I'm wearing a banana suit, and then, like, like yell at people for laughing at you. <laughs> it's an alt comedy thing. Why not?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that's... That would get old pretty quick, I feel like, you know? So, like, how do you do it? How do you co- be a comedian? How How do you do your thing?
1: Uh, so, it is definitely trial and error, right? Because you have to think about your audience first, uh, and who you're doing it for. And I know a lot of comedians get really frustrated, and they say, oh, free speech is being under attack. Not necessarily. You got to find out what makes you laugh, what makes you frustrated, which makes you annoyed and then share that in a way that's uniquely yours. And it's almost like, oh, it's hilarious, and you're on the right path. Sometimes you miss. Sometimes you realize something that happens to you every day uh, doesn't happen to anyone. Like, for example, here in California, uh, plastic bags at grocery stores are banned. Like, well, you can't, you don't get a free one. You either pay either 10 cents to get a plastic bag or do without. And so if I have a bit, which I did, about how it costs so much money for these plastic bags, it kills in Los Angeles because the life they are used to. But it, anywhere else where it's free, it's like, I don't really understand that. It's mm-hmm. a very small example about contextualizing your material. But I really believe that the firm rule is find something you like or makes you laugh, something that makes you frustrated, something that makes you go, that doesn't make any sense, and find a way and ask yourself why you think it doesn't make sense. And then you're on your way to making your material.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So you. do you just wing it?
1: Um, it's good to have those skills. They call it crowd work or improv skills. Because sometimes I either have like my setup, and my punchline. But it, to me, it's more fun when you have that middle part loose. Because your crowd will dictate what they like, what they don't like, what makes it happen, like what makes it cool for them. There's some comics like Seinfeld, for example. He will write his joke and practice that joke in tandem the entire time, every time, like a recital. And there's mm-hmm. some comics like like uh, Kevin Hart. That's a team. They make things together. And there's some out there like Robin Williams would have a really loose schedule, like a structure and just go out and be himself. So I'm kind of in the middle. Um, when I'm when I'm on, I write bits and then try to make the bits organic for that crowd because I'm not reciting. I'm performing yeah. for people. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it really comes down to if you can go with the flow. Because someone heckles you, you can't ignore them, right? Because that just right. gives them... You, yeah, you got to make sure they're part of the show too, whether you like it or not.
0: Mm-hmm. So then you can have, use that opportunity when they heckle you to like do some crowd work.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's kind of fun when someone heckles you and you shut them down, and you're like, "Good, <laughs> good, shut <laughs> up." I can't go back to what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, man. Everyone thinks they can be a comedian, and it's it's definitely possible, but you don't want to go to a show and try it there. Like anyone can shoot a basketball, but I ain't going down to like the center the court of Lakers. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> you whack LeBron? Like, that's not how people work. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, have you yourself experienced many hecklers?
1: Many? No. Uh, I, get the, I get the occasional, like, we don't care. <laughs> and that's kind of like that one passing joke, but I've never, I said only one time I had someone try to be aggressively like, you're not funny, get off stage. But no, most times the worst kind of heckling is when no one has any kind of response at all. So uh-huh. like when you're, when you're trying to give entertainment, you want people to love you, which is great. If they don't love you, you can use that to your advantage. You're like, yo, hey, what's wrong with y'all? What's going on? Let's talk about it and, and, and twist that. But if you go out there and you perform and it's crickets, you're like, damn these people would rather be at home doing something else than being <laughs> in the room with you.
0: Yeah. You know? Like, has that ever happened? You just experienced a dead crowd? Just like,
1: yeah, that's, that's what bombing's all about. Really? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you come with something you think works and you can test it in different crowds or different labs or different open mics, but then you walk up there to whatever, whatever it is, whether it's a late show, whether you're on late, whether you're tired or the crowd's tired and Everything's a swing and a miss. And you're just like, uh, okay, well, <laughs> see you later. You know what I mean? What can you do? It's to me, it's like a wins and loss, right? If you're an athlete, you can win by a lot, you could win by a little. You could lose by a little, you could lose by a lot. Same thing with comedy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you know, if it were me, if I and I bombed, I don't know if I could emotionally recover from that, you know?
1: Yeah, it's the first the first bomb's always the worst. Cause you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, stop. But to me, I really think it's a state of mind, man. There's sometimes I go up there and I and I totally tell a, a set where no one laughs at, and I go, you know what? They didn't really laugh at that, but structurally, it was the way I wanted to tell it. I think I'm on the right path. And there's other times where I would kill and everyone would be cracking up in the aisles where I go, Nope, I missed that beat. I missed that beat. I forgot that joke. I had to recover that joke. Sheesh, So like a lot of times I think it is a state of mind situation. But yeah you get, every time you have comedy pegged, you get that one show where it's like, boo!
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. I think it also, like, has a lot to do with what we ourselves personally think is funny and what we think is funny, Mm -hmm. and then when we tell it out loud to other people, it's like like, uh, with anything, like, with whatever you create, like, music or whatever, like, different people take it in different ways, and I think oh, that's yeah. uh, it's wild, but yeah,
1: it's a big comparison because one of my day jobs, because I have many, is that I'm also a wedding DJ. Uh, oh, for, uh, uh, DJ Flobito, bro, uh, flobito.com. And I say like a lot of the, the wedding classics, the best songs ever. They're not bad songs, but there there is bad timing, right? So mm-hmm. like you're joking your head about what makes you laugh at a certain I don't know what you're into. I don't know comics. I don't know like like sports. I don't know I don't know what you're into. It could be funny but it can be at the wrong time. It could be in the wrong part of your set. You could be on a comic that's on late at night at two o'clock in the morning when no one wants to hear about joke about plastic bags at midnight, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just kind of the way it is, you know? So you gotta realize, like, okay, is it strong? Is it a weak joke? Is it a bad timing joke? Is it a bad time for the performance? All that stuff.
0: Yeah, that's like, that is interesting. Like there's so much that goes into uh, writing jokes and being a good comedian that like, more than meets the eye is what I'm trying to say, and I didn't really realize that, but I think, I think that's cool. That's cool. That's, like, dang. But it's also I think it also when you're when you're telling jokes at two a.m., I mean, yeah. they're probably tired as fuck too.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's in Los Angeles, it's at two a.m. crowds, and they do exist, which is kind of weird. Is that they only they only ever two reasons: one, they don't want to go home, <laughs> and they're tired, or two that's the time where like a superstar like chris rock or or dave Chappelle will come and do their material because once you become a certain level people laugh at you just because right there's a part of comedy there with likability people if they like you they they know your brand they'll come to your show ready to laugh um but they also want to try to see if their stuff works so when you're doing your material and it's very small or it's very too personal you could run the risk of coming off as really really like boring or whatever but I think that's kind of a rite of passage to go into a hard room, to go into a room with people that don't, that don't look like you or from a town. That's not where you are. Like for me, going to the Midwest and dealing with the Midwest crowd, being from Brooklyn, living in Los Angeles, you know, that, that to me is a challenge to see how good are you? Are you originally funny or do you cross over? Can someone book you in, in a room in like, I don't know. I did a show in Alaska and I was like, I don't know what the hell people in Alaska laugh at, like, <laughs> but I went there and I was like, okay, this is what I think it's funny. And then I would say, the first night, half and half, what I thought. And by the second night, I understood. Okay, these people just up they're just are just midwesterners, but cold. That's what it is. <laughs> Let me just tailor my material for them.
0: Dude, you're telling me I don't even know what's in Alaska. Like what like what the hell is over there?
1: I you know, it's a lot of wilderness. It's like there's like three towns and then wilderness. All the cities are by the coast, and then just like nothing but the Iditarod and ice and fish and mountains and stuff. And so people that live there are very close to like those live in denver or those live on the plains right they're very yeah. like red-blooded american they're very like we're just simple folks who love the simple things and and i came there laying talking about how i thought i was a fish out of water being coming from la to alaska but you forget if you live in california if you watch the news californians were seen as like these aliens so the first day it was kind of like oh wait i forgot especially if you live in florida right for some reason yeah, it's yeah. like a weird civil war between Floridians and Californians. I was in Miami in May, and everyone's like, what's going on with your governor? I'm like, why do you care? (laughs) You know? But that's that's just the way it is. There's there's some regional things that happen there. Like, you know, I just kind of you have to, like, take that note when you're traveling with your material.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would say, like, you definitely have to do some research on the, the people living in the regions. Like, someone from Texas might find, um, might not find something that New Yorkers find funny, and that sort of thing.
1: I would say be confident in your stuff to say your material, but be flexible enough to change the fly. I don't want you to sit there and read a Wikipedia article and be like, okay, here in Texas, they do this and this and that because a crowd can be different. You can find like an alt crowd in a, a different kind of city. You know, you could be in a blue state with a red town, say vice versa. So like in California, for example, people think outside of California, they think the whole state's liberal, right? Just for political mm-hmm. humor. Um, It's not true. LA, San Francisco, San Diego are blue cities. But once you go out to the desert, Or the high plains, 30 miles away from the beach. It's all red. So you can't go to Bakersfield or Fresno and be like, what's the deal with those right wingers? Because that's not their lifestyle. That's kind of the way they are. That is okay with challenging an audience, but that comes with experience. You don't want to be new and be like, you want to hit about Fox News? That's not going to work. You're just going to be like, bro, what are you doing? But if you have the experience and you understand your audience, you go, you know what? I'm not going to talk about political humor here. I'm going to talk about how it, for me, growing up being poor because I was I grew up working class, so to me that's more universal. I won't even touch political humor stuff. I won't even touch the news. I won't even touch amendment rights. My job there is to make sure you have a good time because even though political humor is very important, Mark Twain was one of the best political satirists on the planet. At the end of the day, people are paying you money to laugh. So if they're not laughing, you won't get booked again.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see that. I see that. So like. What would you say to someone who's just starting out, as like want to be funny, or they think they're funny, yeah. and then they want to be a comic? Yeah.
1: yeah, you're going to suck, but that's okay. And and people, when I say people you're going to suck, they think you're going to bomb, which is definitely part of it. But there is something that that false confidence. You do a little show, everyone knows you're nervous, your first time, you get those pity laughs, and you automatically think like you're the next superstar, you're the next Chris Rock it really comes with experience and seasoning. Don't forget to get some time aside and write. And that's something that I have to take my own advice on because you have to have life experience to write. And that's yeah. something I always feel like go out there and do stuff. So I say go ahead and do it. It's not as hard as everyone says it is. Uh, there's books you can read all the time, but it really comes down to you actually taking the microphone and feeling how long three minutes or five minutes is when you're the only source of entertainment.
0: Oh I think yeah, that's the
1: thing I slip <laughs> when i don't perform myself i can write all day but when i go on stage and and i'm and i'm doing a 5 minute bit and i haven't been on stage in a long time i blow through my 5 minutes in like 2 and i'm like oh yeah <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. i so it, would you say that being up on stage it would help to be good at public speaking and all that
1: definitely helps uh but it really comes down to your personality like for me i'm i'm kind of big a big personality on stage so like yeah public speaking helps because you can't tell my brooklyn accent because i don't really have it anymore yeah Unless us get upset uh but if you're doing alt humor or if nervousness is part of your gimmick then it doesn't necessarily have to be it just helps projecting your voice or whatever like that but that shouldn't be a barrier like you If you're afraid about doing comedy because you don't know what the next club is, that's one thing. But if you're afraid about doing comedy because you're like, well, I'm kind of nervous of the people, it's like, that nervousness does not go away. Because even if I am confident with public speaking, which I think I am, I'm still nervous about taming the crowd. I'm a firefighter every time I go out there. Sometimes you will get burned. That's just kind of the nature of the business.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, you have to, you know, like, the crowd Mm -hmm. is like a wildfire. And you're yeah. the uh you're the fireman. And Yep. <laughs> or no, you're the arsonist and then they're the forest. <laughs> so then you have to fire them up and then to make them laugh.
1: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm a sinister way of looking at it, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I wanted to talk to you about your esports commentating.
1: Like, yeah. like Rocket League. Yeah. Like why Rocket yeah. League? Yes. Uh, I fell into it myself. That was all pandemic, man. I, I had the game back in 2018 and I would play the game like, I don't know, an hour every two weeks or so, like when my girlfriend was out doing work because we share the Xbox. I was like, ah, ha, ha, I got time. It was a man stuff because it was a quick game. Mm-hmm. Um, It's like eight minutes in real time or five minute game time for a game. So you hop on, do a couple of times. But everything shut down in April 2020. And uh, as a comic, you really don't you couldn't go anywhere because Comedy clubs were built to put people in small spaces to laugh, right? Uh, super spreader places. Uh, I had nowhere to to go. So I was playing Rocket League to kill the time. And I was part of this group um, of seniors, uh, guys over the age of 30, who play the game and go, hey, look, we're having a tournament. Can you just tell some jokes, some old man jokes while we're doing the tournament. So I was, I was saying stupid things like, pull over, Grandpa, or time for your nap, you know? I was doing that, and everyone's like, "Hey, man, that was pretty funny." Have you thought about becoming a caster? And I'm like, "I'm from LA, where casting is like for a movie." I'm like, "What does that mean?" I don't know. Caster, shout caster! I can get you in touch with some organizations. You can work for free, build your way up. And I go, "Okay, cool." And I've been doing it ever since. And 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 it's a game I do like, love. I personally play. I'm up to last night. I played some rounds. So sit there and to like uh, to educate people what the game is and why it's important to me on a match at a certain level is pretty sick.
0: No, yeah, yeah, it's really fun. I love it. I love it. I like I i ha- I'm not like crazy good at it. I'm not like the frick- freaking Cristiano Ronaldo of of Rocket League, but I'm like you know, I get by, you know. I can if I have a good teammate, I we're winning for, like five matches in a row.
1: What's your rank then? I'm curious. I
0: don't I don't even know what the ranks are, like to be honest. Like last time I played was like 3 months ago. All right. Hey, so the ranks so I guess three or something. I don't know. Okay, I played a few <laughs> few matches. I beat I them all respect, though. Respect. So like it was no, like I, five. I,
1: I, I mean, <laughs> that counts. Listen, no, I, I was I was silver for like two years. No, no I was silver for two years, and I'm a diamond now. Which, which is like when it comes to people who are good at the game, it's still trash. It's like saying I got a C plus in math, y'all. It's terrible, but I'm so proud of myself going from like you know silver to diamond so yeah anything you are man respect
0: yeah yeah there's levels to this like you you think you're good but then you you go in competitive your dog shit
1: yeah exactly that happens yeah wait
0: man what like what is a shoutcaster is that the same thing as a commentator
1: uh yeah basically i mean it's it's there's like pay by play, you know. There's analysts, but that's what they say in common parlance. But like, oh, we're looking for two casters for this, like two shout casters, yeah. But sometimes you'll have guys in the booth who's having a conversation while the game is going, and then there's other times where was like a like a sport presentation, like oh, what a move, what a goal,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Like where's the where are the games held? Like in a warehouse or? <laughs>
1: most times well during the pandemics where i started so most of them are virtual right people's houses and high-speed internet but gotcha. now there's like things called lands and and those are all all over rocket league is a it's a bigger game that's like top tier or top tier 1a so like i went to winter major and they'll have it in theaters like there are six thousand seats uh the worlds are in august and that's like a, a fifteen thousand seat arena in uh, fort worth texas so there's a lot of people that come out for that kind of stuff and yeah, they have the computers all lined up and it's like teams team squad based stuff. Pretty cool.
0: Dope. Dope, man. Like, do you have any plans for any future commentating?
1: Man, I would love to to do a LAN for Rocket League. I've done their college Rocket League. In fact, I have a little player title in the games. It says CRL analyst is pretty sick. And but for my goal for that, for Rocket League specifically, is to be able to do a real LAN um I'm trying to learn Formula One as well. So, mm-hmm. shout out to prospects, e racing. I'm actually uh, started with them, do some some kind of content with them. Cause, like, it's, I'm at a weird age. If I was 10 years younger, I would be a lot more hungry. Like, oh, I gotta do, I gotta be a caster, bro. I learned all the game and all the scenes. I play a little bit of Valorant. I play a little Overwatch. um But now, since it's kind of from a place of games I love, I'm kind of saying, okay, I wanna be more of the motorsport guy. Because at least with motorsport, I understand the basic concept of like being one with the machine, right? Like, by yeah. the, I wouldn't, for funsies, I would not commentate in FPS. Now, if Halo calls me up, I'll definitely show up the cast yeah. some FPS action. But, like, I usually play, I get shot twice, I get so mad, I turn it off, so I don't know. <laughs>
0: okay. So you're more like, uh, racing games? Racing games so I say and, and sports in
1: general. It's like, right now, I got Rocket League, Formula One, um, I have uh, Forza, but then I also have WWE 2K, MLB The Show, so sports in general, yeah.
0: Okay. Wait, MLB the show? Did I hear that right? Like yeah, MLB baseball? The
1: show. I, yeah, I'm a baseball
0: guy. Oh, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's go, man. Yeah, I
0: have, I have no idea how baseball is played. But kudos to you, man.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. That's to this play, Yeah, but um, uh, man, there's so much I want to ask. Okay, um, you you mentioned you were on Let's Make a Deal, like the TV show.
1: Yeah, uh, and if this is actually the artifact, the part of my costume, I can show you a picture of this after the show. Um, so Let's Make a Deal is filmed here in Los Angeles, and uh, they were looking for people to be on it, and I just applied for like ah whatever, you know, and they, <laughs> I got selected. So it, and nice. then luckily they're like, hey man, you you back. So it was post COVID. So, so if you know, know this. There used to be a costume shop on the set of Let's Make a Deal. So you will go, you pick a costume, and you would be on the show like a banana, right? Uh, with with COVID, you actually have to provide your costume. And so I don't really have a costume at all. So they're like, hey, man, uh, what's your costume idea? And I was like, uh. And luckily, it was like the middle of September. So I went to like a spirit costume shop. I was like, that, That's where I got this. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So I got this hat and goggles from there. And I had like a fancy like vest. And I had some gloves. And I made myself into like a steampunk mayor. And nice. it was pretty cool. And I got to be on it. And I think it aired uh, the last week of January this year. Um. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I got zonked, but it's been out for like six months, so I can talk okay. about it now. Uh, but a lot of fun. Meet Wayne Brady. Had a chance to tell him when I was a kid I wanted to be him. So it was pretty dope.
0: Yeah. Was that like was he your idol? Like, like.
1: No, my idol was more like uh, was Will Smith was my idol, but like Wayne Brady and Cedric the Entertainer, they did. The variety shows, like the the sing, singing, dancing, sketch, comedy type shows, that yeah. I really want to do. So people ask me, "What is my dream?" Is is that I want to have like a Wayne Brady variety show or a Flip Wilson show or like what, what Fallon does, but like with more acts and less uh, interviews, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's like the dream. So I, I was like growing up admiring Wayne Brady, but I would say that Will Smith is my idol.
0: Gotcha. Dang, so left. overall, your experience was pretty good. I feel like. Feeling like? I
1: mean, yeah, you know, I, going back to where the show used to be, where you used to be in this tight room, 300 people, and you're like, Wayne, please pick me, to like being on the stage as you and 12 others, and they're like, yeah, six of you're going to play, so odds are you're going to play, <laughs> and it had me right in front by the camera, I was like, dude, this is great, I can't, I can't complain about this at all,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you, you can like disclose anything, but like, how... Mm-hmm. Is there anything that like you were surprised about when you were like on the show?
1: I'm surprised like what comes to, like what the way it's run or prizes? Or... I guess so.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything?
1: No, yeah. I mean not so, not so much, man. Like it's Wayne doesn't really talk to anybody. He kind of just goes off and because he does like five shows a day, he yeah. goes off into his like a little dressing room and there's like a stagehand tells you what to do, what to sit down, and then he goes. Hey, it was Wayne comes out little thing and they, they record it like live so when they go to commercial break wayne leaves and he gets his makeup redone and retouched he doesn't hang out he doesn't talk he doesn't high five anybody he kind of just isn't focused gotcha. but nothing really surprising okay okay
0: did you freestyle with him like
1: no don't let me do that <laughs> damn you only answer wayne when he talks to you, you can't be like, Yo, wayne, what
0: up? damn that's crazy i mean you have a book Let's talk about yeah, that. Exactly. Graduation day. Why graduation yeah. day?
1: So to answer that question, have to go a step back. So I used to, used to write novels and short stories, uh, fictional. And uh, I used to get uh, little collections of little short stories and poems. And my last two novels, uh, High Desert Run and Pay the Vig, took me years to get done. They're still short, and no one really bought them. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Writing sucks. It's hard. So originally during the pandemic, I said, you know what? No more of my last books. My own mom didn't like my last book. I'm going to do one more and call it a career. Gonna call it so internally, it was called Graduation Day. and But as I was writing it, it became like a memoir uh, about the advice I would give myself when I graduated college. Everyone tells you what the real world is, but no one ever tells you what the real world is. And everything, you're like, no one told me this or that or that. So every chapter ended up becoming real-life stories about what happened to me as an adult and how I learned to apply that to my life. And so when I had all these stories together, I go, well, I've been calling it graduation day internally. Let's make it like a graduation day. So the first chapter I wrote about my own graduation day, and the last chapter is what I would say if I was doing a commencement speech. But every chapter in there are real stories that happened to me, like how I learned to ride a motorcycle and almost fell on my head. Or how I went to Italy to save my business as a DJ or how I lost 150 pounds, or how I learned to uh, en- embrace roller coasters once again because I lost that weight. Everything has been so much fun. So every- it came out last August, but even up to last week, I will get messages like, hey man, no one really wrote something like that that was completely honest. None of that be yourself business. Like, yo, these are things you can actually apply to in your life.
0: Yeah, I feel like that is true. That's that's good. So it's. It's just your experiences, how they, how you became the way you are today. And oh it's,
1: yeah, uh, it's like like owning a business. Like right? I had a, this is kind of like not even a spoiler, but I had a stationary business. I don't know if it was a video podcast, but I had a stationary business. It was called New Amsterdam, and mm-hmm. I spent like four thousand dollars to make it the high end notebook business, and it flopped. And I had all this product, and I had all this debt. I um, all I really had was the URL. But then a year later, when I decided to make my podcast, I go, Well, I have the brand. Let's make it that. And then when the shutdown happened, it became my media company. So now I own or I run seven podcasts. I am I'm I'm hosting other things. I DJ weddings all under New Amsterdam Entertainment, which taught me about sticking with an idea, how to run a business, how to how to pivot a business. And these are things that no one teaches you in school because I mean yeah. not, it's not to blame teachers or administrations, but like Everyone has their own path. There's some people out there who's happy to work bagging girls freeze. i reason. Not knocking that, but I didn't really realize what my path was until I failed and then a shutdown happened. So I want to share my experiences to say, hey, look, there's other options for you when you graduate.
0: For sure, for sure. I feel like, I feel like I'm, I feel the same. Like what you just said. I don't really know what, I'm still trying to find true happiness for myself, and yeah. I think talking to people has really like just opened my mind, and you know, really gotten me closer on that uh journey. So that's cool.
1: Absolutely, I think if I have to be that guy, is that we tell ourselves that eighteen is adulthood and twenty-one is freedom, which it could be. Um, but the thing is, when you're eighteen. From zero to 18, you're living to make sure your parents are happy, or so you don't get disciplined at least. And then from 20 to 25, 29, you're trying to figure out what was my place and what you think society is going to be. What is real life? Is it wearing a suit and tie? Is it, is it having a good job? Is it going to the church every week? I'm gonna do that. And something happens when you turn 32, 35, where you go, well, what the hell do I wanna do? <laughs> well, let Man. me see what I wanna do and work backwards. But it takes considerable amount of risk. I don't knock anyone who says, you know what? I go to work at the bank. And my six hours are done. I get to do my thing on the end. That's great. I did that too. But if you have an inkling to do more or a side business or try to make that thing you love a business, you should be able to do so. And I only got the idea at what? 30, 36, no, 35, 35 years old going, you know what? <laughs> I like talking for a living. And that was it. But my entire, my, my parents are immigrants, so they don't really even understand talking for a living. They're like, no, you can work. Got to work in an office, gotta work in the fields or work with the computer. Not, not like, oh, talk into a microphone and get money. That, that, that's like, that's like crypto. Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> what, yeah. Dude? No, yeah, I feel them.
0: <laughs> they like, I mean, they were born in where none of that really existed until recently. So that, like, mm-hmm. I don't blame them. But I also right. feel like, you know, nowadays you can find more opportunities out there that you didn't think of where that didn't exist back Absolutely. then you know like technology and, and stuff yeah so like definitely branch out i would say
1: and that's what our graduation day was about it was your parents are not wrong they know the best for you they, they try their hardest to raise a child but my my parents parents my grandparents they went they chopped crops for a living they went out to the fields and they chopped sugarcane for a living and so i'm going like no i want to make movies so I'm LA. i want to be a filmmaker they're like what mm-hmm. But to say that hey, look, I did it, I tried, I failed, so you don't have to, and your friends don't have to. That's what the whole book's about. Yeah.
0: Check check Flobo's book, Graduation Day, available on Amazon dot com. Yeah,
1: please check it do. Out. Tell me what you think about it.
0: Yeah. Um You're a wedding DJ. I don't know why that just yeah. stuck out to me, but that that does. And that's I don't know, that's probably the wildest thing I've heard just now. <laughs> um you make music, or do you like? Are you good at music or making it?
1: Good at DJing weddings. Yeah, it's a very specific set of skills. I don't make my own music. Uh, okay, I, I I do, but I don't. I have two comedy singles. Uh, one is called Alone in the Club, and one is called Money Shuffle. But those are like par parodies. They're they're there to be funny so I'm not be like Yo, man, I'm hot in these streets. They're like they're joke songs. They're supposed to be dope. gotcha. Um, but as far as the wedding DJ thing. It's not just the DJing. So, DJing is part of it. It's the main part of it, being able to give everyone their vibes. And it's a whole different challenge trying to know about so many genres at once, as opposed to club DJs. As a club DJ, you can pick two or three genres. Oh, I'm Trop House and EDM, bam, and then go deep. But like for weddings, it's like you have to know every genre because someone's like, hey, man, can you play this rock song? You do 90s hip hop? You do polka? And it's your job to make that work into a single night. But on top of that, you're also the MC, usually, trying to mm-hmm. tell everyone, now it's time for toast, make sure everyone knows they're seated. And also you're like holding the hands of your clients as they freak out about things of, okay, if I play a song, who's gonna walk down the aisle? So there's a lot more involved work with that. This is why wedding DJs who are about the craft are very like, you know, respect us. And why other DJs don't, are like, oh, whatever, you're not real musicians because we're not sitting there scratching all day because no one cares if I'm beat juggling at your wedding most times. At the same time though, the effort we do is a whole different craft into itself. So I've been DJ since uh 2017 under my own banner. Uh and I, I was in a company before that, uh 2015. So I've been DJing for almost, almost seven years now.
0: Damn, damn. Okay, okay. DJ over here. Play. Damn.
1: Yeah, DJ Flobito. Hey.
0: Flobito. Is that yeah. um is that based off of Naruto, or is it your own thing?
1: Oh, it's, it. well, in Spanish. It's nothing small. You'll like, say Ito. Uh, it's after my first car was named Flobito. Oh, was my okay. Child. And then I wanted Flobo.com, and I was taken. So I just said, okay, Flobito.com. <laughs> and then I became the DJ Flobito.
0: Okay. That makes that makes so much sense. Just forget what I said. All right. <laughs> All
1: right. No, Naruto's dope. I get that. But know, uh, you live in Florida, you know how it goes.
0: <laughs> okay. That's dope. That's dope. You said, I looked at your Patreon, all right, and it says you are a pro wrestling fan and DC Comics yeah. fan. Is that true?
1: Yeah. Yeah. As you can see here, this is the uh, entire roster, most of the roster of the DC Comics universe with Dirk side in the middle. And then mm-hmm. my favorite uh, superhero, Green Lantern, John Stewart in the end. And goes all the way down to Harley Quinn. And uh, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan, lifelong wrestling fan. In fact, uh, one of my jobs, I work with uh, Spotify flashed a ringer on a show called Mac Mania. I went to WrestleMania this year, interviewed Kevin Owens and Bianca Belair. Uh, being able to go to these events is so much fun.
0: Damn, that's what's up. Like, All right, so let me ask you this. What do you think about Marvel?
1: So well, Marvel for me, I... okay, so I love DC, but I hate Batman. That's kind of like my thing. And so when I was a kid, the only Marvel comic I would buy was Iron Man back when he was like obscure, right? Back when no one knew who the hell he was. I understand Marvel. I like Marvel, but it's just two fundamental differences that a comic's craft. Um, Marvel focused on having heroes with flaws, be relatable as possible, right? The X-Men are basically like an allegory for racism. You're different. Get out of here. And even though people say these comics are boring... For me, I like having ideals to aspire to. Like Wonder Woman is compassion, Batman is vengeance, Superman is hope, uh, Green Lantern was willpower. When I was 400 pounds, I actually bought a Green Lantern wing- ring because that superhero runs on literal willpower. and That yeah. changed my life. So I'll always be a DC guy, Captain Marvel, Shazam, I mean, I'll always be a DC guy. But you can't deny that Marvel has done more to get newer fans into comic book heroes. So I can't hate them for that.
0: Yeah. Uh, To be honest, I've I've grown up with Marvel, but I feel like I just genuinely like DC more because I don't know. I just like their comics more. It's like the way they're they're drawn is just I can't explain it. It's like more. uh, I just love Batman. I'll I'll admit I love the entire Justice League. I love the animated movies. I I like I like everything. It's great, you know. Wait, yeah. why do you why do you not like Batman?
1: I think Batman would be a good a good idea on paper. Now, Batman 66, the comic book or the old school Batman made sense to me because what made Batman appealing to me as a child was the dualism. Here is somebody on the outside, who's rich, put together, has a the social life, but then feels a need to be Batman. But in the late 70s there was a Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, you know, Frank Miller. And completely remove the humanity of Bruce Wayne. So Batman for the past like 25 years has just been the bat, with the only exception, excuse me, was the animated series from Fox. That was the only time the first season, only time you saw Bruce Wayne be Bruce. I think that was the cool the cool part about Batman. And so now you just have the Bat side. To me, it's boring and flat. And everyone thinks Batman can beat everybody else. It's like he doesn't have any powers. Like you get if he actually fought Superman, Laser Vision would be half a panel. Well, he beat him the comics one time. Yes, because that doesn't make any sense. That's why they explain it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think for my my rich fix. I used to go for Iron Man.
0: <laughs> that's that's true. Iron Man is dope, but I think to me personally, I think the reason why I vibe so much with Batman is because, well, the dude Batman, he is the world's greatest detective. I love his like oh. detective solving skills, and I love that he knows. Like every martial art, and I, you know, the fact that he doesn't kill, he's so stubborn on that, is just that that should be willpower, okay? He's he's not willing to let anyone anyone cross that line because he doesn't want anyone to to just never you know go back to not killing because you know they turn into a different person and and something because you know once you get once you eat cake, you'll you always want cake or something like that. But it's. Batman's just so fucking cool, man. I li- <laughs> He's listen, he can he's got a cool ass cave. He can glide. He's got great games. He's got great animated movies. I mean, come on, he's got like five sidekicks or something like that. You know, like die. <laughs> I mean, die leave him. That's... <laughs> he's rich. Or Bruce is yeah, rich. Okay. He's got a he's got Alfred.
1: Fine. Well played.
0: But yeah. You know, Iron Man's cool and
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Iron Man's dope. I like Iron Man.
0: No, but yeah, like I have a friend who's like really into wrestling. Like, um, he was into WWE, I think Monday Night Raw too. Um have you always been a pro wrestling fan? Like when when did you start watching?
1: Uh yeah. So I started watching I'll say consistently in 1983. So I was I was young. I didn't have cable. So the mid-90s, it was kind of like a hole for me. Like, I didn't really watch. And then by the Attitude Era, in the late 90s, I got back into it. So I've been pretty much watching consistently in the late 90s. But I remember 92, 93, 94, just, uh, just getting up on Saturday morning, eating that bowl of cereal, and watching wrestling after cartoons. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Like, so tell me if you agree with this. Wrestling is like a stage play.
1: Yes. Wrestling is theater in the round. Wrestling is what Shakespeare used to be. Like we, we talk about <laughs> Shakespeare now because he's like high class, but the actual plays are made for everybody. You will go to a the theater and sitting around like in the balconies or on the floor and watch a show. And so, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's just I always say that I invest in my characters and I can walk away. Um, when people realize that you can be smart and still be a wrestling fan, they get their minds get blown. But yeah, it's definitely his theater.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I just have a, have a growing appreciation for wrestling now because I I remember as a kid it never really interested me because I thought it was like oh it's it's fake it's not interesting but now that I look back at it, it was, I think that's what makes it interesting because it it is theater for like but you're like sitting in front around a ring and you're just staring at them mm-hmm. with this intricate like. They have their own storyline and stuff. They have heels. I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I know some fans, uh, or say people who are not part of the fandom, look at fans with a certain kind of eye. And it's kind of unfair, because I think there's wrestling fans from all walks of life, but yeah, if you can watch any kind of movie with a, a fight scene and get the point of that, then it's kind of the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I getcha. I getcha. And I guess... After everything that we've talked about, or, or to this point in your life, what advice do you have for me?
1: Comes to wrestling? <laughs> Don't do it, kid. <laughs> 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 no problem, dude. No, advice about what? About what?
0: Just uh, life, I guess.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, you will fail, and uh, life is not a straight line, man. I think a lot of us go into the workforce thinking, okay, I'm going to do this job, I'll get promoted, i will be do this job, and that job. And then you get your first laid off notice. You're like, well, shit, what do I do now? You know, I I started off when I graduated, I wanted to be a film editor. This was me example. I want to be a film editor, but I was after two and a half years of not working, I was hired to be a copywriter. After I was laid off, I delivered groceries. And then I got a job working at a marketing department for a big tech company. And then I delivered hand sanitizer door to door. (laughs) And then I went to business for myself. There was no line to think. Um, and it's very easy to consider yourself a failure, especially when the pressure from your parents and but they see you in a linear way as well. Um, and, and there's nothing this is the most important thing. There's nothing to fall back on. Uh, so many times people go, well, I really want to do stained glass, but I'm getting a business degree to fall back on, or I really want to be a breakdancer. I'm, I'm going to get this law degree to fall mm-hmm. back. on. When the pandemic hit, I had so many unemployed lawyer friends. Okay, there's no stable job, there's no stable career, you don't live forever. Do what you love and find a way to make money that way. And I know people used to say that. I'm like, oh, do what I love, to hell with that. I gotta get that, I gotta get the cash, get that bag. Yeah, get, get your bills paid. But there's nothing to, to stop what you wanna do because you can get yourself a square job. Like, don't be like, well, my career's in the post office, but I really want to be a rapper. Just rap, It's mm-hmm. rap now and, and, and work the post office part time until you get your, your footing because life's too short.
0: That's facts. No printer. Wow. Let me throw you a curveball. If you were reincarnated as an animal, what would you be?
1: Oh, a leatherback sea turtle.
0: That is. That was so fast. (laughs) I
1: mean, those things are majestic, man. They're just large. They're like they hang out the Atlantic for a hundred years, just floating in the water, man. Just big, intelligent creatures, like go from beach to beach. Come on, that's that's an easy question to ask, baby. (laughs) <laughs> I my mean, god
0: damn yeah that's true i would that that would be something cool and i have one last question before i let you go yeah. i've i've been like you said you were on a show for spotify or the spotify show yeah like had like how do you just how do you do that is it because you're in la do opportunities just come to you or something
1: oh no that one that wouldn't even come from from la man uh so okay so just to give a backstory Bill Simmons is a sports guy or the sports guy, had a network called the Ringer, and which is a big sports network. And the Ringer uh got got purchased by Spotify. So it's kind of like a like a Marvel Disney situation where mm-hmm. my studio is a ringer, but Disney writes me the check, right? <laughs> Basically, right? So so I'm in the ringer, but Spotify writes me the check. And I got on because the co host, the main guy, and I were friends for years, and then he got signed because he used to work for WWE. Evan Mack used to be on the bump for WWE. So when he got signed, hey, look, we're going to give you an Evan Mack show. He goes, I'm going to call my friends, which is very important. That networking is important. And not yeah. just networking just to say, how can I use you later on, but actual friendship. Because he called me and he goes, hey, man, I need someone to talk to you. You talk a lot. He wanted you to have you in the booth. So like," and he was living in Connecticut at the time. So it had nothing to do with the LA thing. In fact, the the show records in Eastern time. So on Tuesday mornings, oh. I like get up at five o'clock in the morning to record from Los Angeles. Uh, but the fact, the idea—you got people that got came up, and they said, "Hey, look, my my boys are gonna come up with me too." That's been that's been the opportunity.
0: That's what's up, like coming up with my your boys. Okay, okay, yeah. damn, wow, I I don't know what to say. I had a blast. <laughs>
1: yeah, man, same here, Mr. Banana. Yeah, I just to say that I mean,
0: <laughs> you're you're steampunk, I'm a banana. Just shout, shout out your stuff.
1: Yo, man, I got so much stuff. You can rock with me on that social media, at Bo Boys on Twitter, at FloBito on Instagram. I have so many different podcasts to check out. New Amsterdam Radio, it on Netflix, Draped in Gold, where we go through NXT, NXT UK content, and Commander's Log, your one-stop shop for new Star Trek review and analysis. The book, Graduation Day, it's available on Amazon.com. And I just recently did some wrestling commentary for Republic of Lucha. Download that. Republic of Lucha Midsummer available on Fight Network.
0: You heard the man. Flobo's here to stay. He's going to keep on growing. We're going to keep going too. Thank you everyone for listening. Follow him. Uh, follow Jordan Mode. Uh, links down below. And peace everyone. Peace.